From Dreamtown, I'm Simon Sticker, Head of Communication and Stories, and this is Unseen Spaces. In today's episode, we will take a journey to Sierra Leone, the small country in Western Africa, specifically to Freetown, the capital city, where we will dive into the communities of Kisi and Wasak, and one of our key projects that we're doing there. As this is the first episode, maybe a few words on Dreamtown, what Dreamtown is and um, what we're doing. Dreamtown is a Danish organization um, dedicated to increasing the well-being of young people in urban slums, specifically in Africa right now. We work in four countries in Africa and our projects mainly happening, are happening in the public space. So the public space in urban slums um, has been under pressure historically for a very long time. Public slums or like slum communities as we know it, slum communities as we know it, they're very dense. They're, um, there's very little, little space. A lot of kind of informal spaces get used for housing um, if any possible. So that means it's like the kind of the role of the public space has been diminished for a very long time and there's often very little space to um, participate in kind of conversations and um, and all that for for use in those communities. So what we are trying to do is kind of breaking with with that and uh, going into the public space and trying to create spaces that become hubs for use for young people to. Uh, innovate, to participate, to um, have a voice in decision-making processes um, and through that kind of changing like the future and the outlook of their communities. We do that through like three kind of key areas. Um, we have like, first of all, we are trying to kind of create safe spaces. So that means it's, uh, it's like a basic need that we think is needs to be established before anything else can, can happen. Um, that is specifically in Sierra Leone is one of our key focal areas in the communities we work with. We do that through green spaces as the second areas. Um, what is both a response um, in ways of kind of creating income for, for people with doing, for instance, urban farming in the slum communities, but also as a way to adapt to climate change. Climate adaptation becomes like a bigger and bigger issue that uh, and more and more important uh, in those communities. A lot of them uh, are in danger of flooding, droughts, uh, you name it. Um, so, so adaptation is like a very important topic for them. And then the last area where we focus on is creative spaces. And creative spaces, we try to kind of create spaces there and work with, with spaces or interventions in the public space that foster creativity, innovation, arts, sports, you name it, um, to basically increase the kind of the innovation potential and the ideas of the young people. One of the core beliefs we have at Dreamtown is that young people have a lot of ideas, but it's oftentimes 
they lack the means or the opportunities to make them come alive and that is what we are trying to do right now we work in four countries in africa that uh, is Sierra Leone, um, as i said before uganda kenya and zimbabwe um, each with like different focal areas as well as that we do uh, a lot of engagement projects uh, here in denmark Unseen spaces um, as our new kind of form of like visual podcast. We hope to take you deeper into this universe we work in. Urban slums, marginalized use, what are like their kind of the issues? How do it? Are we trying to tackle that? Um, bringing you closer to the stories that are happening there, but also at the same time bringing you closer to the innovation and the ideas that come out of that. But it's not only that, we also hope that in the future we will bring in researchers, experts in the field, interesting voices, people that um, have something interesting to tell and can all of us help to kind of to learn more, to innovate more, to kind of create um, something, something more interesting in the urban space. Today I'm joined by Nina Ottersen. Nina is our head of programs here at, at Dreamtown and has been overseeing one of like our headline projects in Sierra Leone over the last years. What is the Urban Space Challenge? A competitive format um, that she will tell more about around microgrants. Um, and we go to two major communities in Freetown today that is like Kissy and Dresak. So let's let's talk about the urban space challenge, like one of our programs in Sierra Before we kind of get into the program, can you describe to me the environment that we work in there? So like, how does it feel like to be there? What is going on there? What is like the kind of the space? Give us like a sense of the of the space of the community that we work in there yeah for sure so the urban space challenge is a project that we've been running in two different communities actually one is called kissy is very big the other is Doisac, also big but not as big um and in in kissy is a really big community thousands of people living there it's in freetown uh, capital of sierra leone um, and it's kind of divided into different parts. So within the same community, you kind of feel like you'll see more communities. Um, and in the middle of it, there's a big highway where everything is super busy, very noisy, lots of traffic, many people moving all the time, day and night. Um, then there are some areas that are more hilly. Uh, you can't really access a lot of it by car. So you have to be uh, walking, hiking almost because it's very uphill, uh, very dusty. Um, maybe a motorbike can get up some of the roads. Then there's also an area that's towards the, the water, um, which is more what people would describe it as the slum part of, of the Kissy community, um, where there are some dump sites. There's a lot of issues of like waste and water related issues. Um, and in general, when you walk around, you'll see a lot of people um, hanging out, lots of activities all the time, little businesses running. Um, yeah, young people hanging out on the street. Um, and in Doisac, um is a smaller community, uh, also very hilly. So again, most of the community you won't be able to access unless you uh, go on a hike. Um, and it's pretty, it can be pretty, pretty tricky to walk around. Uh, so like uh, logistically, it's a challenge for people to move around, collect water, 
get from A to B uh, takes takes uh, quite a lot of time. Um, Dwasak is a bit more quiet. Um, it's like located um, on on the mountainside, um, so you have these really beautiful views of of the city around it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do people do that live there? But it's like how I mean, how does life look like for a young person growing up in in those communities? Mm-hmm. So in these communities, and uh, generally young people uh, don't get a lot of opportunities. Um, many of them have had to maybe leave the education system early on, mostly related to the costs of education. That unfortunately it's it's not really for free, even though it is on paper. Um, so meaning that a lot of them work in maybe the informal sector. Uh, do kind of day-to-day jobs. A lot of women might uh, work on the markets or have these small businesses alongside of the road. Uh, also, uh, many of the young men uh, might leave the city in the morning to go out uh, for their job at, uh, in the daytime and come back at nighttime. Um, but there is a huge lack of opportunity for young people. It's not very easy to get a job. Stability in your job um, is very difficult. So there's a lot of uncertainty related to uh, will I also have an income tomorrow uh, which is tough obviously now it's like when we when we come to kind of the urban space challenge is I mean how do we you know kind of go into a community and kind of start something something up there so basically um, together with our partners from YMCA in Sierra Leone who are partnering on this project with us um, they have been going out into the community and identifying mapping groups of young people that already exist and they do a ton of different things some of them focus on community cleaning some of them focus on water management some of them might have a little uh, tea shop uh, where they sell tea Um, some of them might on a project to project basis be doing like counseling for other young people uh, spotting different opportunities around them but they all already have an existing Uh, activity base or an existing community so it's not like we go in and create point at people and create new youth groups no they already exist so if the project taps into the existing youth communities um, but then creates a platform for them to grow as groups and grow their projects and their spaces um, so i think that's actually a pretty important strategy to go in and and look at what is already there Because so many young people are already doing cool things, so we just want to go in and support that and help them grow with it. But having them do what they already do, then you know the passion and motivation already exists. So that's not the issue. It's just like creating more opportunities for them to grow their their initiatives bigger. And you you said is like one of the biggest things is like creating opportunities. Maybe describe like how how that is for like a young person. Let's say it's like they have created like a youth group and they have some ideas and have some ambitions. Like mm-hmm. how would that normally look like for, for people? Let's say it's like there's like a group of like, you know, 10, uh, 10, 10 young people in the community and they say it's like, okay, we want to do something on waste management. It's like what, what happens then for them? So some of them might uh, sometimes... Uh, um succeed in mobilizing some support from some local stakeholders, small businesses uh, that see the point in the work that they're doing. But I think that one of the issues is on the sustainability of those initiatives, that it goes up and down. 
it also does for us when we do projects. But for them, it's difficult to keep it at, a, at an active level all the time, just because they simply don't have the resources. And again, these are people who, of course, also every day have to uh, uh, make a living, get an income. So, I mean, it's already pretty amazing that people with, with very little resources have the time and the energy and the passion uh, to really engage in those activities that are not for themselves, but for the community around them. But of course, they have to also focus on, I mean, making life run around from day to day. Um, so that also means that uh, sometimes activities are running low um, if there are not really any resources available. If it's hard for you to kind of make ends meet and to kind of, you know, have food on the table on the next day, like, why do you kind of engage in kind of big community activities instead of, you know, taking care of, of your basic needs? But I think it's exactly like because it is such a strong sense also that community is like an important resource that you kind of need to nurture and, and you need to kind of... Um, goes like in both both ways and people need their communities to survive right i mean we're used to being so individuals like everyone uh, for yourself uh, but but here when we're talking about these uh, very um, challenged urban environments it's also the case that government is not providing the city is not providing the services that people need like basic service access to water for example is not available in a lot of these areas, at, at least access to clean water. So, I mean, a lot of these things that the young people do, they are kind of like as civil society actors, they are taking on a responsibility that we would traditionally uh, place with the, the mandate of the government, that it's their responsibility. But it's just not the case because there is so much pressure on the resources and services in these urban environments. So it's simply also in order to yeah, have your life function that people in these communities just they rely so much more on each other uh, to make ends meet than uh, than what we are used to in our lives mm -hmm. and now it's like also we we talked about the community and how life looks like there describe to me like how the urban space challenge works and like how long we we've been doing that and and what also the kind of the initiatives are that came out of that Yeah, so the Urban Space Challenge has been a super cool project, so fun to take part of. We did the first one in Kissy community in 2019, then we followed up and did the next one in Doisac in 2020. And the, the way that it works is that uh, it's a competitive format. It's a competition, a challenge for young people. And like I said, we so um, mobilize youth groups that are already existing in the communities. Uh, and if they're interested, um, then they can enter the Urban Space Challenge. So they enter the competition at the first level. In these projects, we started out having uh, 20 youth groups in each community. Then they go through a set of trainings. That can be trainings in like, uh, how do you put a project proposed together? How do you manage a small budget? Uh, also public speaking, how do you present your ideas? It can be on collaboration, advocacy, community mobilization, like different skills that would be relevant when you have a community group running. And then they are kind of tasked with coming up with an idea for an urban space. And they're like, it's all open. It's up to them what they think would be exciting to do. Then they present their ideas. Then they kind of move on to the next step of the competition, where there then again is another set of trainings. And then in the end, in each project, we have um, 
given out microgrants like innovation funds for 10 groups so that they could actually go out and implement, implement their spaces. And we've seen so many cool things come out of it. So uh, in Kesi, there have been people who have engaged in community cleaning. There have been people who work on safety. So they have groups that patrol at night to create a safer environment. There are youth groups who did these counseling spaces for youth, especially for young women. Uh, in Dwasak, there have been two groups that um, one upgraded an existing water point in the communities. The other one created a brand new water point in an area of the community where now thousands of people have access to water where before they didn't. Um, some uh, groups started a construction of public toilets, the first public toilets in the community. Um, some engaged in uh, renovating the community field where people play football, basketball field, training facilities, so many different cool projects um, that are now still actively running. And I mean, I think is what I really like about the project is like how much it comes out of like their ideas and out of the community. It's not like something that's imposed on them in a way, right? But it's all kind of something where they see like, oh, this would be really cool to do, or this would have like an impact um, to to do. And even also, uh, I mean, small projects like kind of our soap making, unique family, the soap making business, right? That kind of created, uh, kind of saw like, a, like an opportunity in kind of producing cheaper soap for the community that they can sell for half the price of I think what like the kind of the Chinese imported soap would would be like and that is basically like a solid business that they create with that but having that was like a social business kind of attitude to it and kind of bringing people in that uh, like some of them living on the streets yeah. um, can you give me like a sense of just for for having like an idea of like how big or small those micro grants are yeah, so they have been around, uh, they've been around like between $500 and $800 in total. So it's really not a lot of money. Uh, that is, that's the investment that's put in there. Um, so, I mean, a lot of these groups has, have really, it's amazing to see how long they've been, uh, far they stretched that funding. Uh, some of them also managed to mobilize a little bit of extra support because people around them in the community really saw, ah, okay, these these people are doing uh, cool work and like and it's also for us that's also the part of it like mobilizing support around those little investments um, and what we're actively working on now also to scaling up in the future to continue collaborating with the groups is to support them to develop different sustainability models you mentioned this example of, of unique family who have this uh, soap making business which uh, First off, it doesn't really sound like, like, what does that have to do with the public space? But what they did is that with the investment they got through the project, they, they did a construction, like a physical space to, to uh, conduct this business. A the showroom, as I call it. Like it, a yeah. showroom, and now they're expanding yeah. with production room, and it's growing and it's growing. And, but they have a, a big, important link to like the public space around it, because what they focus a lot on is to get young girls off the streets. Some of them are engaged in prostitutions, and, and this gives them an opportunity to... Uh, to have something to do, to earn a little bit of income and to get a, like, as they call it, a family, which is a big part of it. But so they have a socioeconomic model that helps them drive sustainability of their space. 
to be able to expand where other groups it's maybe not as straightforward to like spot the the business case so that's what we are trying to to assist with to come up with creative ideas for uh, how sustainability of it can be improved because again it's a big motivating factor um, that they can actually also themselves as individuals get something out of it it's great that it's for the community but I mean, again, these are young people who also have to think about themselves. So combining the community benefit with the benefit for the individual, I think it's crucial, especially when we're working with youth, um, because I mean, they need some kind of motivation to keep them going. But it's also, it's like a testament to like how much like those simple needs have to be met in a way, right? It's like where it's like a lot of like community services that we are used to. Uh, here in Denmark that someone is picking up the trash and, and, and come by your house right and, and, and doing that and all that or it's like you know that you have access to kind of running water or you know things like that that this is like something what, what what they also try to address in a way because those are issues that they that they see yeah it's pretty cool to see such a diverse like range of of civil society that take on so many responsibilities, even these like very young people, some of them. I think another really good example is the group, uh, they call themselves Seven Up, and they are in charge of this community water point. And, and with the water point already existed, but with the funds, they managed to, to put together this cool structure around it. So that's actually um, sitting accommodation at the water point because I mean a lot of times you'll have to wait in line a little bit to get your water and what happens is that now people actually like to hang out there um, whereas like fetching water uh, it becomes a social exercise because then they meet some other people when they're there and they sit and there's like shelter so if it rains you can sit there um, and they are trying to uh, keep the space clean and also make a better road that leads to the water point because that's really challenging this is in Dwasak community like I said it's very hilly and it's actually quite dangerous to access some of those water points uh, you have to, when they carry these big buckets in their heads and just walk in slippers um, if it's been raining the rocks are slippery so they are really taking on the responsibility of providing a basic service basic need in their community and trying to make it in a way so that it i mean that really improves on on someone's well-being on a daily basis uh, because it's a huge part of of someone's day if you have to walk some walk for hours to to come and fetch water and it i guess is also it makes a huge difference when that both can be improved i mean both like with security but also it's like how fast you can basically get to water right and how fast you have access and and how much that that is so and that kind of frees up more resources for going to work and finding work or doing doing other things so exactly yeah it's so what is the future for the urban space challenge i mean now it's like we've been running it um, before, but what is like the kind of the next step for that? Mm. So the next step for some of these groups that have really shown potential with their ideas is that we want to try to follow up and help them uh, improve on these sustainability models. So finding new and different ways uh, to maybe create a business case around their spaces, mobilize also more support around it in the communities and mobilize support among the local duty bearers uh, that are there and can help if they see the potential help the young people like get access to some other opportunities link them up with some of the structures in the city um so that's right now our next step is to see how can we 
just keep the connection running um, and support them for their projects to become more sustainable. Um, and then I think, I mean, for me, a, a big dream would be um, to hold on to, to this, the mentality like of the innovations of uh, mobilizing, identifying existing young people that have cool ideas and dreams and then linking them up with different opportunities could be someone who has a business that does something similar, uh, could be stakeholders in the community, could be other organizations. Um, but to try to create like a, a like a, a citywide network in Freetown where we can support and and like put these young people uh, in the forefront and also just tell the story about how young people are taking lead in developing their communities like this because they really deserve to be seen and heard and and to be able to access more opportunities like get credit for the work that they do uh, because they just do so amazing work yeah Unseen Spaces is a production of Dreamtown. Today's episode's guest was Nina Ottesen, Head of Programs at Dreamtown. All video from Serleon was filmed by Nina Albertsen and Freya Lügeherig in January 2022 with additional drone shots by me from January 2020. I'm your host, Simon Sticker. Thank you for listening. <laughs>